whenever you guys are ready. Do they need to be quiet over there or how we need to do that? No. Nope. No? Nope. All right. That's fine. Doesn't matter. Cool. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the All Star Comics Podcast, powered by Horizon Comics. I am your host, Jonathan Cote. Joining us on the panel tonight are Roger May, David Arroyo, and Johnny Morales. Producing, as always, is our reliable, wonderful producer, Matt hey. Lubick. Say hi, Matt. Hi. I'm still figuring out microphones because I did the reverse order tonight. So. Oh, that's <laughs> really irregular. Yeah. yeah. We've well, established we're sitting differently. So I, I know. <laughs> this is all. Everything is weird tonight. It's very intimate tonight. It is. Speaking of which, I guess there's some some weird news. Because we're, we're going to do like comic news in just a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But weird news. Weird news. Weird news. Is to, uh, for the next several weeks. Oh, yeah. We will have. Uh, <laughs> Did you forget, Roger? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? Well, what? Blake, Blake's well, weird. Yeah, Blake is yeah. weird. Uh, for the next several weeks, uh, I will actually not be on the show. I'll be taking a break because my work schedule has changed and my hours do not belong to me anymore. So I have to kind of show up when the state tells me to show up or the county, I should say. So, for as of next week, the hostess with the mostess will be taking over my duties. Blake Starling. Thanks. You're welcome. You know what? <laughs> I will say this. We'll finally get some consistent audio levels on this show. You know? <laughs> I don't know. It is Blake. It'll be that late night NPR vibe. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to be consistent. Get out of here. Go away. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, um, I will miss... On. Yeah, I will miss doing the show for the next, I don't know, six to eight episodes, however long it takes for them. It's usually they change your schedule up every two months. So Will it be good or bad? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Embrace <laughs> but if change. But if it sucks, hopefully I'm back in January. Nobody will know. It's yeah. just Blake. <laughs> <laughs> so this will be my last show for a, at least up through the holidays, yeah. and then God willing, I'll be able to step back in in January, but we will see. Well, we're also skipping a week. You said the county's taking over your hours? That sounds like you're going to prison. He is. No, they, he I, is. I, oh, I well. <laughs> am every day, Johnny. Oh, no. That's where, where he's employed. That's where, that's where I'm currently working. Mm. Um, so yeah, well, and we will, like as Matt yeah. indicated, we are going to take a week off for Thanksgiving. And probably okay. maybe the end of the year somewhere, maybe, depending on what yeah, happens. We'll yeah, we'll see how the days fall, but yeah. that's quite possible, too. Just because so. Fridays around here kind of... Yeah, get holiday busy. holidays yeah. are gonna get chaotic like they usually do yeah. for you. Excuse me. So, um, well, I guess that means about six episodes. About if, six. Yeah. And that's if, if you know, and when, if and when. But uh, yeah, so I'll find out what my schedule will be like in January. All I know is they do like kind of two months at a time, so I'll be out through. Just November. Think of it as a vacation, man. <laughs> <laughs> a vacation that I'm going to be working through. <laughs> So anyway, without further ado, let's go ahead and hop over to some new... Oh, wait. If this is your first time listening to us, we are a spoiler <laughs> podcast. We typically review... Uh, well, we used to review just one Marvel, one DC, one indie, but that's all changed up. Now, now we, we each pick a book. You're still reprogramming. Yeah, yourself. I'm still reprogramming. Uh, now what we do is we pick a favorite book or a book that we... Re- pick of uh, the week. Yeah, basically pick each of, of us week. has a pick of the yeah. week out of our own pull list or off the wall. And we give a more in-depth review on that, and then we kind of do a shared review on the guest's choice of the graphic novel for the week. So, without further ado, Johnny. Hi. Oh, I missed that. Time for some news. Yeah, not a lot of news, and by that I mean two pieces of news this week. That's Yeah. So, Charles Soule has kind of teased and maybe like partially revealed his next Wolverine story, which is a 12-part... Decades spanning storyline 
uh, called Wolverine the Vigil, and the arc is meant to tie in with the upcoming revival of uh, Marvel Comics Presents uh, planned for next year. I remember when I used to like uh, Charles Soule. I know, me too. He, I th- I thought, isn't he writing uh, the Dead Return. Man Logan? No, no, that's Ed Breeson. Yeah. Oh, is that? Oh, okay. Yeah, he's writing The Return of Wolverine right now. Just a five-part. Yeah. yeah. And what's this one called? The uh, Wolverine The Vigil. And it's just a 12-part arc. Just a 12-part arc. By the way. With multiple times. That reminds me. I asked okay. Charles a question on Twitter, and he responded because I asked him, all his books are now being canceled or are finishing. What's he writing next? And this announcement happened a few days later. So, I don't know. What are the odds there? (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure he told you to hold your horses. Yeah, Yeah. he told me to hold my horses. He said, hold on, you'll see announcements coming soon. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's the next storyline in his whole thing. Um, So, yeah, people uh, that love Wolverine look forward to that. Uh, And then the last bit of news is uh, IDW announces uh, Dungeons & Dragons uh, miniseries, a comic. Uh, g- mm, going back to the Forgotten Realms, which is typically with the, it's it's the setting that uh, Drist. Uh, yeah, basically, it's not gonna be Drist. It's actually gonna be um, based on like Waterdeep or whatever. It's Dungeons and Dragons: A Darkened Wish uh, by uh, Dave Walters and art by Tess Fowler, which Tess Fowler is great. Uh, but yeah, that's all the news that I have Ooh. for this week. Not that's a it, lot. Huh? Even yeah. from like the last, uh, yeah, I I try to go back a little bit because you guys, uh, you I didn't really do it. Yeah. yeah, you didn't do it. Um, there's not a lot, no, uh, anything of importance. All the cons are over, pretty. I much. mean, yeah, basically, like uh, New York Comic Con happened what like three weeks ago, I guess, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, slow news, uh, but hopefully we get something else next week. Normally, that's how it happens. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Ro- Rhode Island Comic Con is this weekend. Rhode Island Comic Con, the yeah. smallest all, all state the, in the union. All the ex- <laughs> shout, shout out to Rhode Island. The only reason I know is because Ray's going to be there. Wow. Flying across so, the country? I know. Wow. I know. Um, well, wow. he's going to be like royalty at, uh, yeah. at the Rhode Island Comic Con. <laughs> Who is? Ray. Ray. Ray Hyde. Oh, nice. Uh, did we have any questions? I got another new trivia question from Frank. Well, no, no, no. I mean, but uh, no, like no, no general topic questions. Well then, I guess we'll just move on. Wait, do you want to talk about the Thanksgiving thing or the what? What is this? Or uh, that lightning yeah, round? I, mean, thing. I was going to do it in the lightning oh, okay. round. So gotcha. Let's make sure. If if I can keep it to a minute, yeah. <laughs> I never do. So yeah, I don't. I don't even know why I try. <laughs> I was just going to say, talk about it now. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so, well, cause, yeah, because it's actually a funny story. So, um, you know, I had this great idea to, you know, last year, Teresa and I spent Thanksgiving alone, which was which was great, you know. But uh, I had this thought. I was like, we should have done something at the shop yeah, for, you know, everybody who doesn't have family at Thanksgiving. Friendsgiving. Right. Um, but we didn't really have, you know, we didn't have this room back then. So this year I was, I told Teresa, I was like, we should really do something for Thanksgiving. And it was like, we kind of chickened out on the Thanksgiving day thing, but we decided to do, um, a, a Wednesday night Thanksgiving again, uh, event that, uh, I'm calling thanks grilling. <laughs> so, um, it's just a, you know, a get together for everybody. Cause everybody's got to cook Thursday all day. So I was like, bring everybody in Wednesday night, you know, break out the grill, board games, have burgers, yeah. dogs, board games. Yeah, just have an easy night of uh, good company, good, f- hopefully good food. Um, 
and do that. And so, you know, I made up this Instagram post. A lot of you probably saw it. And I put it out. And then we started getting responses from people that I don't even know. And I'm like, uh, you know, my intent was to target it to the customers of the shop. Just us right here. And, well, and, yeah. And people with pull lists, yeah. you know. Uh, and I was like, oh, crap, you know, thinking that, you know, Instagram and Facebook reach is pretty broad. Yeah. So um, we took that down to think about it a little <laughs> bit more. And it's like, <laughs> maybe we'll just Do advertise in the shop. Yeah. Word of mouth. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed to bringing in new people, but I actually spoke with uh, – uh, one of our captains in the fire department this week and he's like yeah you can pretty much max at 25 people in this room so i'm like okay I'll be yeah nice. so so basically the free comic book day thing a couple days ago was right like, <laughs> i mean we can we can fit a few you know more people in the front yeah. and some people in the alley whatever but people in the we alley. can't yeah we can't take the risk of having fire you know, 100 150 people show Ooh. up and yeah, Where, so, it would be packed. It'd just be standing everywhere. Yeah, but it should still it, it should still be a good time. I mean, we've got well, and the other thing is that look, I know our customers. We've got good people. You start throwing weirdo strangers in the mix. No offense to all you weirdo strangers out there, but <laughs> we don't know you, you. Don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah, you know. So we'll see. But it should be fun. So, but if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, Bryce, hey, man, if you're not doing anything. (laughs) 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 Drive on out. Fly the fam out. Bryce, send me an email. Maybe we'll get you on Skype. So, uh, but no. um, Yeah, for, for, you know, everybody that's a a friend and a fan and a customer of the shop, um, you're welcome to come out. It's going to be Wednesday night. We're going to start around 5 o'clock. Uh, a little bit before we close and go to whenever, you know, nine ten. Um just a normal afternoon. I know everybody's got a busy day Thursday, so but Wednesday the night before Thanksgiving, I think it's the twenty first. Twenty first. Um come hang out with us. You know, we'll have a good time. Uh all you need to bring is your appetite, you know, we'll you know, cover the the food and stuff and it, it should be a good night i'd love to see everybody and of course my new schedule my county double happens on wednesday so you guys have fun <laughs> we're just screwing jonathan every which way <laughs> right. it's, okay. it's this schedule that's screwing me every which way now <laughs> anyway okay. can't complain um you got a good job so yeah all right that's all the news that's all the questions let's go yeah. ahead and hop into the reviews go. sweet who wants to go first i feel like me and roger should wait since we're okay. reading the same book. Did you guys do the same book last week? No. Mm. First week we did. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, you can go ahead. Okay. Um, the book, the only new book I got this week, uh, was uh, Batman in the Max Arkham Dreams by Sam Keith. It was good. <laughs> it, it's what I'd expect. It's, it's, you know, Batman and the Max teaming up. Um People from Arkham are invading uh, the Max's Outback, which is his uh, alternative dimension that he... You're going to have to explain probably for some of us who the Max is. Okay, the Max is a uh, fellow who is um, 
in. I know it's very nineties. I think. Yes, it's early image. Um, yeah. uh, it's by a guy named Sam Keith. It's a very surreal, uh, oddball comic, um, and it's about a guy named the Max who is this evil rabbit, evil-looking rabbit-like thing. That uh, in our world he is a transient. And in his imaginary world, which is known as the Outback, he is the Max. And so, so he, uh, so you know, we kind of don't know if he's like crazy or if he's not. Um, but in the case of this one, is he? I didn't read issue one because I didn't find out about it till issue two, and Roger didn't have one. So, uh, but this one starts in media res, but it's. Um, it's the the folks from Arkham, the Penguin and the Joker, are invading the Max's outback, and um, he's trying to find the Jungle Queen, who is the uh, woman who runs his fantasy world, and he has a um, adventure where the uh, the Joker is trying to destroy a um, flying whale, which in our world is one of the Gotham dirigibles. And so it's so we got the Max trying to save the Outback and Batman trying to save Gotham at the same time. So so it switches between the fantasy world and the real world. Who's the artist? Uh, Sam Keith. Sam Keith. What? Uh, he sounds familiar. What? Is he has mostly done the Max okay. uh, since the early '90s, but he did some work. I believe he worked on Batman in the yeah. '80s. Yeah, I really am. He, un- he didn't do the Arkham Asylum book, did he? No, that was. Um, Blanking on his name, the guy who does all the stuff with Sandman, and right, 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 McKean. right, right, yeah. Um, I mean, huh? That sounds interesting. But this is the Batman artist that has the super long pointy ears. Yeah, one of them. That was very popular in the late nineties. Yeah. The, you know, Sam Keith and then um, Kelly what's with Kelly Jones, and I believe I I really only know him from the Max, but I believe he worked on Batman in the late eighties. Also, which is why this is a solid crossover. Is that a mustache? His teeth? It's his teeth, I think. It's like it's very, it's very extreme does art. He an, does he have an overbite or? I'm just trying to like. He has an it. only bite, dude. It's yeah. only those top teeth right well, there. Yeah. Does he not have a jaw? It appears he has. And he's got like spikes on his fist. Yeah, it's weird. Yep, that look like middle fingers. At least that's what twelve-year-old me. I'm like, it looks like he's flipping everybody off. <laughs> so what's the story about with uh, like? In this particular issue, like, because you said you didn't read one. Yeah, but in this one, they're, they're, it starts in the outback, and they're, um, they're inside a blowfish, and we realize... A blowfish? And then they break out of it, and they realize the blowfish is um, the penguin in the real world. And, um, and, they, and the scientist at Arkham is doing um, experiments with the uh, realities of the inmates. So does Sam Keith smoke a lot of marijuana, or is it just for this like particular I, story? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know his recreational drug habits. Um, Sorry, it sounds like it's kind of out there. I know you. Sur- I know you said it's surreal. It's but very surreal, and, I, and, I, and if it's you know proper surrealism, it might be the stuff he dreams. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a lot of dream logic in it, but. Like I said, I'm kind of like I'm not real. I haven't read the Max in a while, and um, I haven't read Batman even longer. Uh, but um, I saw it. Uh, I've always. Uh, I'll just be straightforward. I always get the Max because it's pretty. <laughs> and uh, 
But yeah, the, so I saw this this week and I went, oh yeah, I'll check that out. Mm. How would you rate it? Um, I'll rate it. Uh, you're at a five. Mm-hmm. I'll rate it a three. Sweet. I don't like it, the bat symbol on his chest. <laughs> it, it looks like yeah, it's a, a little weird. It's yeah, kind of like, like a. a it's some sort of like fence a, or something. Like an ink, it's kind of like the inkjet's running out of. Yeah, it looks. It looks print. like a uh, a stylized Tie Fighter. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I mean, I do like some of the pages, like specifically these, mm-hmm. and then it gets to like a little bit more simplistic, where mm-hmm. it, you know there's not a lot of detail in the backgrounds and so but it's, I like it's, this. It's, di- it's differently. A, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I love I love this guy's art. His yeah. um, at least his art in this series, it's always a feast. It reminds me a little bit of um, the artist that uh, that did the comics history of comics. Uh, I don't know if you were picking that up. No, I haven't read that um, one. I mean to, but yeah, um, it's it's okay. Uh, I yeah, this one where it's got like both. Oh the yeah, dream world and the real world, and the real world's kind of like dripping over the. Yeah, I mean, for like a a concept like this, you know, like this dream world type of thing, the art fits, so that's cool. All right, awesome. All right. Cool, Johnny. Yep. All right. Uh, so I read uh, multiple multiple man number five uh, by Matthew Rosenberg, and um, the art was uh, Andy McDonald. And this was issue five of five. Uh, it was a mini series, and it follows the story of multiple man, uh, Jamie uh, Madrox. Madrox, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, see, I'm not familiar with multiple man. I just uh, I saw Matthew Rosenberg, and I'm like, yeah, definitely. He uh, writes four kids walk into a bank, and all, uh, you know other great books. What was that? Again? Four kids walk into a bank. All right, I want to read it already. Yeah, uh, it's a great comic. <laughs> Um, but yeah, th- this story follows Jamie Madrox uh, as he, um, multiple man who uh, decides later in the future to become emperor and take over the world. Uh, and he has an army of, uh, you know, himself, clones, duplicates, whatever you want to call them. Um, and uh, a another one multiples? of his... Multiples? Yes, multiples. One might say. <laughs> um, one of them goes kind of goes against him, kind of goes rogue. Uh and they start having like this all-out war uh, that involves time travel and duplication, and it, it's um, it's really interesting because I, I didn't expect a story like this to be at Marvel. You you know you kind of with Marvel and DC you kind of know what you're gonna get. So like this is breaking like the status quo. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of of uh, miniseries like The Vision and things like that where it's kind of. It, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's in the proper Marvel universe, um, and the the story is is fun. It's 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 funny, but it, it it's not afraid to be serious at times. And uh, while it can be confusing with a lot of you know duplication and time travel, um, I found the story to be you know really well told, uh, and the art by uh, Andy. Uh, what is this dude's name? Andy McDonald is just awesome. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I've been enjoying it for, uh, you know, for a while now, and I'm glad I, you know, I picked it up. Um, yeah. I, th- I think you should read uh, Peter David's run on X Factor. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. No, that thing was freaking awesome. Have you read it? Yeah, the first one. Because he came back uh, for another run, which I didn't love, but the first one, his first X Factor was. Yeah, his first X Factor from when? Oh, God. 
are, are we talking late 2000s, mm-hmm. mid, mid to late 2000s? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Because that's the one where he is not feeling whole mm-hmm. and he goes out in search of his dupes mm-hmm. and there's there's one who's living a life as a priest. He's had an existential crisis trying to figure <laughs> out the meaning of life. Right. He has one who... Um, Oh, God, I can't remember. But that's where he gets uh, Monique St. Croix pregnant. Right. Do you know the end of that story? I have not finished that, no. I don't know if I should spoil that. I know Maybe not, because I, I really enjoyed it, and I never got back to it. Dude, Do that it. was one of the most horrifying moments in comics. Do it. Okay, so Jamie Madrix gets Monique St. Croix pregnant. Mm-hmm. She goes through, and you know, and this takes this takes a while, dude. I mean, Peter David really laid the groundwork yeah. for this. She eventually has the baby, right? And, they're you know, they're going to settle down. They're going to be, you know, the happy little ex family. And... Uh, but happy and Jamie, don't go together. I know. <laughs> Jamie goes to hold his son. No. And he absorbs it. No. Holy it crap. Was, because it was oh, part, part dupe, you know? And I was like, Teresa and I both were reading that series at that time, and it was like, Ugh. oh, my God. What just, oh, my God. You can't do that. And, yeah, and Monique was like, and that changed her. She, I mean, she was devastated, and... And lost her mind because of that. Dude, that, his, Peter David's run on X Factor is amazing. And for all you guys out there, I mean, that should, yeah. You, yeah. You need to read it. Definitely. Um, oh, my God. Holy but crap. there's there's a lot of good storytelling in, in that run by him. That was uh, one of the best comics in the mid to late 2000s. Yeah. I want to say he came, he came back with X Factor again back uh, like in 2015 or so. Okay. Uh, I read the first arc. I didn't love it, but, you know, I don't know if it got better or not. Uh, he, came, he came back once and, it, and knocked it out of the park. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. hard to keep coming back to a book. Yeah, and, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, he did it in the 90s. But anyway, that's, that's my book. Uh, I would rate it a four out of five. I really enjoyed the miniseries. Um, I thought it was going to be longer, but I... I I knew that it was a miniseries, so... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. All, All right. right. So, me and Roger... Well, I came in. I only got a chance to read one book out of my poll. And because I just picked up my poll as of Friday, the listening of this podcast went Monday for you guys. But I had a busy week, a lot of overtime. So, came in, grabbed it, and I thought... It's always a tough week when there's multiple good books in my poll. And there yeah. was Lady Mechanica, Wildstorm, something else, and Heroes in Crisis. Drowned Earth and Heroes in Crisis number two. Also the uh, end of the witching hour. And the end of the witching hour. All Which I also read. Oh, did you? Yeah. Is it good? It's really good. Yeah, that's what I thought. But it's also conclusion, not a conclusion. Uh, which sometimes... I, now, look, it's fine. You're setting up new stories. I get it. That's cool. But it's mostly a conclusion. Okay. Um, I, I read a couple books this week. I read I read uh, The End of the Witching Hour. That's a long read. Okay. Uh, which is good. I mean, you get your money's worth, and there's a lot going on in there. Um, it's It's pretty good. I thought it was a solid ending. Um, there was a little, you know, like, oh, well, that was kind of easy, but mm-hmm. 
it's still good. All right. I'm looking um, forward to it. I'm looking I forward read, to my entire pool this week. Yeah. I read Old Man Hawkeye. Um, beautiful book. Holy cow. Is it still Marco Cicchetto? I think so. That guy and is underrated. And it's it all takes place in, like, uh, uh, you know, snow-driven Canada. So... You know, it's mostly black and white. Nice. I mean, you have some color in there, but it's it's uh, it's super pretty. And I was surprised at how good the storytelling was. Um, it was obvious that I was in the middle of an ongoing series, um, but I I would you know it would have been easy to talk about that too. But of all three, the book I wanted to talk about most was the same one Jonathan did, and that's. Heroes in Crisis. Yeah, so I got home, and I was just in this, like, oh, what do I read? And I, for, for whatever reason, this is the one that I got drawn to. Um, you know, I I think part of it also was just I really wanted to look at Clay Man's art. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I just, I love what that guy's doing right now. I love the look of the DC Universe characters under his pencils or from his mouth he's yeah he's so good um, well, and this cover and the I mean, with you know harley's with the lasso of truth the lasso of truth around batman's neck you know yeah um, um there's some fantastic artwork that he's yeah. been putting out so um i i yeah I, and plus i really wanted to see where the story was going based off the first issue because that first issue was solid but i was I don't want it to be a flash in the pan. I wanted it to be good. I didn't want it just to just be like a great opening issue. And yeah. it's always tough because that follow-up issue has a lot to live up to. And I really liked it. It's a great second issue. Yeah. The thing, the thing that surprised me was, um, I mean, it, it's a great second issue. But at its heart, it's, it's kind of a mystery. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, who killed the heroes? Who killed Sanctuary? Yeah. Um, and right now you think it's one of two people. Now, that may be a little bit of a bait and switch because neither one of them seems to know for sure. What was going on. Yeah. Harley says it was Booster. Booster, Booster says it's Harley. Says it's Harley. But was it me? I don't know. You because know? he admits I was pretty much crazy when it yeah. all took place because right. he was dealing with his post-traumatic stress. Right. So, um, which and there so is. I'm really because they extended this from a seven issue series to a nine issue series. Yeah. Well, the initial plan was they were going to have two special like issues on the side or whatever, and they just decided to make yeah, it all DC, heroes. Stop that. Yeah. Like with the Witching Hour and yeah, Drowned, Drowned Earth. Earth. Yeah. Dude, stop it. Tom it's King. The worst. It's yeah. the worst marketing thing ever for series ever. So he just decided nine issues, keep it okay. all in house. No need to okay to go out, but um, yeah, I uh, that there's so many great panels in this. Like the you, oh, Tom King loves doing the nine panel, um, and you get Clay Man's version of Poison Ivy, yeah, which is freaking pretty with with Harley coming yeah, out of nowhere. Their interaction, which yeah. is which is really cool, yeah. So, um, and then I, I'm liking the title pages so far. They're throwing how they're throwing heroes in crisis into these different big wide screen kind of right sets um, as you're going through. But um, yeah, 
there was a scene here where we're talking about Booster, kind of talking to Skeets about how he was like momentarily crazy. Right. And I wanted to point out like a nice little touch that they did art wise. And where was it? He's flying away. I think it's earlier on. Hang on, let me find it. But in in Tom King's Batman run, after the whole traumatic stuff, it's this. When when he sees like that alternate timeline Bruce Wayne kill himself and the blood splatters on his goggles and he's like, Yeah, I, I've been cleaning these goggles forever. It's like he's dealing with what he just saw. And he's like, I can't seem to get it clean. I always see and it's perfectly clean, but he's like, There's a spot of blood right here in this panel. He takes off his goggles and he's still cleaning them. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even catch that. That's <laughs> yeah. really cool. It's a nice little like touch if you read that series and you saw that, that's what he's doing. Because he's taking him off and he's still, you can tell he's still dealing with that PTSD. Right, right. You know, so it's kind of putting doubt in your mind as to was Booster really in his right mind when all this stuff was going down? Maybe Harley is right. But then we see that Harley's kind of amply crazy on, in her own right in this issue, too. So. My favorite part of the whole story was. Batman reassuring uh, Clark Clark and Diana that no, I don't have any kryptonite in my belt. Yeah, there's no there's no kryptonite there's there. There's no kryptonite in my yeah. belt. And and they're like Bruce, we know you have contingencies for everything in case one of us turns. Like, yeah, but I don't have kryptonite in my belt. Yeah. And then <laughs> Harley gets the the lasso around Bruce Batman. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> um, for you hardcore fans. Yeah. Uh, no, but um, she gets the lasso of truth around Bruce, and she's like, so tell us, do you have anything that could take down Superman? And she's like, yeah, I've got kryptonite in my belt, third pouch from the left. Yeah. <laughs> she, and Pulls it like, out. Oh, you, you know, because you want to believe when Bruce says... And to me, that Tom King really captured, you know, Batman mm-hmm. in that for me. It's like you want to believe him. You want to believe, dude, yeah, come on. But the guy can't He's trust anybody. Yeah. He and doesn't trust. Yeah. Even the people like, closest to him. It's like, dang it, you liar. Yeah. You know? So that was that was really cool. Um, Some King, of my... Go ahead. Go, well, I was, King is, is a phenomenal writer and a capturing... When he's on... He's freaking on. Yeah. Um, Really bringing humanity to superhumans. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, I think, really his forte. Um, And so I think that this is, you know, right now, I I think this is, he's he's certainly the perfect guy to write this story. Yeah. Um, For me, I liked a lot of the confessional scenes in this particular uh, issue because we got in the last issue we had a bunch of people that were like the I don't want to say the B team but they weren't the main Justice Leaguers it was a bunch of the lesser known kind of people um, you know or the the not the not so main cast of Justice League in this we get a confessional nine panel grid with Batman Wonder Woman and Clark at the very end and I really liked each of those and what they were were dealing with they were great 
The other thing that he did too, and I just realized that we were flipping back through those pages, is is that guy's name Major Glory? Major Glory? No, it's no. Uh, Commander Steel. Commander Major Steel. Glory is that character from Dexter's Laboratory. Oh my God! <laughs> Where did that come from? Okay, uh, my son's probably like, I remember him. Yeah. Okay, no, but when you know, just to cast doubt on whether it's Booster or Harley. They have yeah. these wind-up teeth that they pull that they out of pull out of his esophagus. Somebody had shoved it down his throat because he's got like invulnerable skin. He's right, like metal basically. So how'd they kill him? He choked on these Joker teeth, essentially. Yeah. So it's like uh, maybe it's a Booster Harley team up. I don't know. Yeah. But right now, um, I'm I'm sold on this story. I was super skeptical before it came out. I was like, I don't want to read about heroes in the, you know, uh, the 12-step program. Yeah. You know, I just want them to be heroes. But, man, he nails. And plus, like I said, Clay Mann's freaking art in this whole book is the best you're going to get right now. Yeah. It really is. I mean, I love his booster. I love his Wonder Woman. I love his Ivy. love his Harley. I love his Clark. I love his Batman. The dude There's is just that he doesn't draw yeah. amazing. I mean, the cover to number one alone lets you know like he's legit. But when you see just the action in the panels and the expression like on the faces, like in the confessionals especially, how he has the characters emote the way they do with subtle glances and things like that, dude, fantastic at capturing yep. that. Yeah, you know? and then I love this panel of soups like with the laser yeah. eyes getting ready to yeah. like fry uh, Harley if she makes a wrong move. But oh my god, there's just so much to like uh, out of this issue, and it it really delivered for me anyway. Oh, me um, too. It was five stars for me. Yes, five stars for me as well. I'm hooked on the series. Um, yeah, Flash shows up, and unfortunately, Bo- he doesn't know that Wally's dead, and Booster right. kind of ruins that. <laughs> So yeah, um, very coldly too. Yeah, I mean, just like. But um, the one thing, the one thing that I was curious about with this, and we, you and I both had to go back to issue one and refer was Harley says that Ivy, Ivy was killed. Dead. Yeah. Um, and I didn't see that in the first issue. There's no panel. Know. Yeah. You know, look. So there's something else going on here. Yep. Because there's several things that are yeah. casting doubt on both Booster's story and Harley's story. Right. And look. Let's face it. DC is not going to kill Ivy and Wally and Arsenal major characters. And yeah, all, all these guys. Yeah, and, there's something and, else going and on. Sit on the fence. There's something else going on, and so I'm curious. And one of the things we should mention is, is is those automatons that are in Sanctuary. And one of the, the plot points of this issue is is Diana and Clark are questioning Bruce. They're like, "We know you have a back door." Like the, it's it's so you can gather right. intel on everybody, and he's like no, and he's swearing up and down that the footage from the confessionals, right. it's all deleted. It all gets deleted. It's just there to help the people that are going to sanctuary, and then it gets deleted. But then you find out through Lois that somebody has a file. has footage. Yeah. So, so there's all there's all kinds of different moving parts that are happening yes. in this particular mystery. So and I think that's what ma- is making this so compelling. Yeah. Cuz it's not there's there's action stuff happening in it, but it's that's not the big hook of the book. It's really more of the psychology behind what's right. going on and the mystery. 
And I, I swear, two issues in, it's already, I already deem it a superbly crafted story. Yeah. We'll see if the payoff is as good. Is, is as good. Um, I, I hope it is. It, so far, so good. You know, I was worried about it being nine issues, but, you know, um, Johnny's mentioned this several times where Tom King really works well within 12 issue stories. Mm-hmm. Um, he did with Omega Men. Great story. Sure. Uh, obviously, Vision. the Vision, 12 mm-hmm. issues. So, Miracle Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle. You just did the same thing. Dang it. That, um, yeah. who said that the other? I'm uh, pretty sure it was me. No, yeah, no, no. I'm sure I keep doing it. <laughs> Mr. Miracle, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's. I think nine issues will be good, you know. Um, I, I was worried at first when I saw it because I was like, how are you going to draw this out? But then again, how, he, how did he draw out Mr. Miracle and vision and he clearly i think he's a guy that kind of knows from start to finish what he wants to do and that's really the most important thing he's not adding and subtracting just at the whim of whatever it seems like he kind of has like a set story in his head and that's what he's going to tell well he's an an, he's a a slow burn yeah uh artist you know i mean he really can bring everything together full circle together you know, uh, in a great way. Which, so. speaking of that, we're getting the final issue of Mr. Miracle, and I'm really upset that I'm not going to be on the show to review it. Is that next week? It might be next week or the following. It's sometime this, this month now. I think it's two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah. I, I might finally caught up on that, and it's man. Fantastic, right? Yeah. That last issue? Yeah. Yeah. I might just send you in what I think of the book well, so that you can let right. everybody know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was the penultimate issue. I really liked that one. But anyway, so Heroes in Crisis number two, five stars from both me and Roger. Uh, we're going to go ahead and hop over to Lightning Rounds. Unless, did you have anything else you wanted to say about it, Roger? I, I love it Yeah, so far. I love it. All right, let me get... I really think Tom King should stop writing ongoing series and just do, like, maxi series. Yeah. Because his Batman is frustrating, dude. Up and down. Up and down. I mean, great issue. What was this piece of crap, you know? Um, I, I I get so frustrated with his ongoing stuff, but his, the, you know, Mr. Miracle. There you I go. Got that right, yeah. Um, so far, this is early. I mean, this is only two issues in, but Vision, um, Omega Man inspired to- storytelling. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he should do. Anyway, go ahead. Lightning All right, rounds. lightning rounds. Let's see here. Let me get a minute. Who wants to go first? Cool, Johnny. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Let's go. All right. So uh, Halloween was a couple of days ago, but we can still keep things uh, spooky. Today is uh, Dia de los Muertos. Uh, so I found it fitting to recommend a horror book. And this is a uh, one that just ended recently. Uh, that's probably a new favorite of mine. Uh, actually, it's been a favorite of mine for a while. Anyway, it's Harrow County. Uh, it's... I, it's Tomasi? Gonna a, no. Matt it's going to be a classic. Uh, it's Cullen Bunn. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, House yeah. of Penance is uh, Peter Tomasi's <laughs> creepy And one. it is one of the creepiest uh it's art the art is by tyler crook and it fits the story perfectly um it's it's a classic horror story for me now and i absolutely love it uh i would recommend anybody that wants a horror comic 
because it's it's creepy in all the right ways. And I think it's only 30 issues. It just ended 32 maybe. Um, but yeah, I would strongly recommend it. Um, Cullen Bunn is hit and miss, but this one, he just knocked it out of the park. All right. That was a minute exactly. All right. David, do you have anything? Um, let's see. Um, well, I just uh, finished doing the Inktober project in October, a different ink drawing every day. Um, I did miss two days. I made up one in the month of October, and I made up one on November 1st. But it's done. The pictures are good. I'd love you, for all of you to go to my Instagram, David Arroyo Art, and check them out and tell me what you think. And also, um, the new series of Doctor Who, really good. Nice. <laughs> Roger, do you have anything? I don't know. Go. You go. All right. I'll keep thinking. I'll keep thinking? Okay. So, uh, I'm going to just continue my trend of recommending uh, albums and Scott bands. Is. Band, well, just bands to check out. Not necessarily ska. But, Ooh, did you uh, have a ska band last week? No, there was just a band with a horn section that oh. happened, to ha- happened to have one in the song. Okay. Uh, so Slash's new album featuring Miles Kennedy is really good called Live in the Dream. All right. Uh, if you like just, you know, from Guns, Guns and Roses. Roses. He's had solo albums. Like, he has somebody sing for him. He just writes all the music, and then he has somebody sing for him. But it's okay. Slash. Really freaking good. He's had like three solo albums that have been out. Oh, so or four solo albums. This is the fourth one now, and it's, they're all really good. Super, super riffy, like solos galore. And so, um, mind your manners, driving rain, driving the rain, or driving rain, and um, call of the wild. They're all songs to check out off of uh, Live in the Dream, which just came out like last month. Really good album. I've been meaning so. to get that album. I probably should. Yeah. So that's my recommendation. Up until I come back to the show, then I can recommend more. <laughs> if you can't tell, I'm gonna miss doing the show. All right, let's go ahead and hop over to our oh FOC stuff. That's right. So for this is the FOC uh, for the December fifth week of releases. So uh, get your orders in by the 12th of this month for all of these books. Which is a week for money. Basically, next week, if you want any of these books, hit us up next week. We'll add them to your polls. We have Die Number 1 by Image Comics, written by Kieran Gillen, and art by Stephanie Hans. Uh, Basically, it says the Wicked and Divine writer Kieran Gillen teams up with artist supernova Stephanie Hans. Uh, for her first ongoing comic, Die is a pitch black fantasy where a group of 40-something adults have to deal with the returning unearthly horror they barely survived as teenage role players. If Kieran's in a rush, he describes it as goth Jumanji. The only... <laughs> that only captures a sliver of what you'll find in the oversized de- debut issue where fantasy gets all too real. I don't know. It sounds like your cup of tea, Johnny. Goth Jumanji. I've never seen Jumanji. God dang it. I'm going to hit you. <laughs> Robin Williams. Wow. Not the original or the new one? No. I'm wow. this close. Yeah. They were both really good. Are they? Yeah. They are. I mean, the original Jumanji with Robin Williams is a classic. I've yeah. seen the, um, the, the, the like, knockoff. What is it called? Sathura or whatever? That was Zathura. Yeah. It was from the same people that made Jumanji. Yeah. Really? But Jumanji was better. Okay. Based on a, on a book by the same children's author. Yeah. Oh, okay. But anyway, Jumanji good? All right, I'll check it out, maybe. Probably not. Dude, it's Robin Williams. There's very little that 
mm-hmm. was not worth watching of his. I don't think I've seen any Robin Williams movies. I'm going to strike you. Dead Poet Society? No. That's a must. You'll freaking uh, flip out if you Good watch Will that. Hunting? No. Jeez, man. Yeah. Aladdin? Oh, okay. The There's Genie. One. There's one. Yeah. Okay. Jeez. That's funny. Okay. Anyway, uh, Freeze number one. Written by Dan Wickline with art by Phil Sevy. Uh, the entire human population is frozen by a mysterious global event. All except Ray, and he has the power to unfreeze them. Now, with the fate of the world in his hands, he must figure out what is going on and how to set things right again. And to answer the question, why or does everyone deserve to be saved? Uh, Prodigy number one of six. So we have a miniseries from Image Comics. Oh, Mark Millar. So he's pretty much doing what you think Tom King should do. He just writes in miniseries now. He doesn't do no, that. That's all he does, yeah. He's just... What just happened? Yeah, Mark Miller just writes. He writes pilot pitches anymore. Well, I guess now they're not even. They're like yeah. for Amazon. No, uh, Netflix. 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 They're Netflix storyboards. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is Edison Crane's not content being the world's smartest man and most successful businessman. His brilliant mind needs to be constantly challenged. He's a Nobel Prize winning scientist, genius composer, Olympic athlete, and expert in the occult. And now international governments are calling him to fix their problems that they just can't handle. So it sounds very Mark Millar or Miller. So the movie will have James McAvoy? Probably. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm actually curious to see who they're going to cast in the Magic Order because I've been digging the heck out of that series, and I know that's going to end up on mm-hmm. Netflix at some point. Yep. Uh, Self Made, written by Matt Groom with art by Eduardo Ferragato and Mar- Marcelo Costa. Costa. Okay. I'm not familiar with this team. So it's a series premiere. Introducing a new creative team. Everyone will be talking about superstar talent writer Matt Groom. And artist Eduardo Ferragato, when chaos begins, uh, or be, excuse me, besieges the kingdom of Arcadia, warrior Amala Satali uh, sees it as her chance to escape her clearly defined role and to change her destiny. But she uh, could she, but she could never have predicted that it would also be her chance to confront her god in his debut editorial role. Comics veteran Kyle Higgins guides this intimate, world-spanning story of self-discovery. So, I don't know if you're a fan of Kyle Higgins' work. He's doing some edit- editing on this, apparently. Uh, then from Marvel, we have Defenders, Doctor Strange, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Greg Smallwood. Um, typhoid, I'm not going to read all of the, the Marvel stuff. You kind of you know yeah. the characters and all that. So, uh, Typhoid Fever, Iron Fist, number mm-hmm. one. That's the conclusion. We reviewed the typhoid uh, fever Spider-Man uh, about a month ago. Yeah, and then there was a there's a typhoid fever X-Men that I think is coming out next week, and then it concludes with typhoid fever Iron Fist. Why is everybody getting typhoid fever? Yeah. <laughs> uh, then from DC Comics, we have Martian Manhunter, number one of 12, written by Steve Orlando. With art uh, by Riley Rossimo. So it'll look interesting. Who knows story-wise where that's going to go because Steve Orlando seems to be up and down, in my opinion. Uh, New Talent Showcase 2018, number one by DC Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with various artists. 
Um, and this is, la I think they did the same thing last year. It's a bunch of like uh, short stories uh, from the development workshops that DC's had. Uh, writers and artists kind of doing their little mini stories and whatnot um, that they're going to publish into probably an oversized $7.99 book. That's my guess. Because I yeah. think that's about what the other one was. Yeah. Something like that. So, all right. That's going to wrap up the FOC segment. All right. Matt, trivia time. Already? Already. We didn't do the graphic novel? Oh, no, wait. Sorry. We do have the graphic novel right now. My bad. I forgot to write down. <laughs> David, why did you pick this and what is it? Because I like it. <laughs> well, what is it? Um, it is a book from the French comic series, um, Valerian and Laureline. It is titled Ambassador of the Shadows. It's by um, Jean-Claude Mizier and uh, Pierre Christin. Um, Valerian is a uh, long-running uh, French comic. It ran from, I believe, 67 to 2012. Wow. Um, about a, uh, an album a year. An album a year? Yeah, they call their um, their books. Yeah, I noticed uh, it's albums. a different size. Yeah, different it's, uh, it's format size because in France, traditionally, I think now everything everything's pretty much in albums. But um, traditionally, it would be published in uh, weekly anthologies, mm. and sometimes it would be half pages, sometimes it would be whole pages, um, one or two pages for for each series uh, a week, and then they'd be collected in these albums. Okay. And um, and it's a uh, story about temporal um, temporal space agents. They uh, they they're basically cops that uh, work the spaceways and the timeways. Um, and um, yeah, Valerian, who is a um, from Galaxity, which is the uh, the center of the human empire in the far future, and his partner Laureline who is a woman from 15th century France. And um, well, they, I didn't know she that. seems very well adjusted. It, it was it was unimportant information for this volume, but uh, considering that she's from a much less technologically advanced time than Valerian. But yeah, she catches on quick. Yeah, clearly. And, and I guess that they're an item, Valerian and yes. Laureline. Okay. Yeah. And that's why uh, she was so adamant about finding him. Yeah. And then they go on. And the fact that they kissed at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That too. <laughs> they have many adventures and uh, sometimes they're time travel stories. Sometimes they're um, straight science fiction stories. Was it the same team working on this story yes. all the way from 67 until 2012? Yes. Same guys. Whoa. Jeez. That's, um, that's gotta be a wreck. But I mean, it's only one a year, right? Yeah. It's only about one a year. Oh, sometimes okay. that's, a little more. That's still a lot. Uh, it's the only, as far as I know, it's the only ongoing series that the artist did. Okay. Yeah, he did some other comics, but not a, never an ongoing series. And then the writer uh, had done many. Uh, the artist uh, Jean-Claude Mizier, um, he's done work in the movies. He uh, notably did design work with, along with Mobius for um, The Fifth Element. Mm. And that's how I actually came to learn about this series. When was this particular feature. story published? This is the sixth story. Okay. And it was published in 1975. Wow. Okay. Which I did. I it felt about that. very uh, yes, it, 70s, it, it 80s. It definitely has a 70s science fiction feel. Yeah. <laughs> very pulpy. Almost too. Like, the art feels Mobius-like. Well, they Mobius they knew is it, French also. Well, right? they knew each other. Oh, okay. Um, um, they were is school he, friends. Is he from France also? Yes. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, influenced by the yeah, same Yeah, Mobius is uh, Jean Giraud. 
uh, is his actual name. Because, I mean, it, it just, like, um, like the structures and everything just reminded me of the art from, like, the Incal. Incal? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, Mancal, like... Yeah. Okay, this is very similar. Uh, I, I love the art in this... Um, in this book, it's like very, it's very different to it. Coloring's a little wonky. Yeah. Yeah, that that was kind of running the mill but for the time. Yeah, it, that's what made me think this is seventies yeah. or eighties. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, they were into very primary. Uh, hard colors. Hard colors. Yeah. yeah. So this is what the movie is based off of. Yes, the 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 Valerian movie by Luc Besson that came out uh, last year. Is largely based on this volume. On this volume, yeah, because yeah, like there's a little creature and everything yeah. like that. That movie's not good. <laughs> I enjoyed uh, it, but I already they, enjoyed. It, but I already enjoyed. I know it. that th- was it, who's directed it. The Luke, uh, Luke Besson. Okay, I know he wasn't happy with the final product. Uh, okay. He felt like the studio really butchered his vision. Yeah, but that's what every for, director huh, says when the movie what? bombs. <laughs> <laughs> I I liked it. I I mean I enjoyed it for, you know. Just uh, a good sci-fi flick. I, I enjoyed it too, but I already was a fan, so yeah. Mm, so. Okay. Apparently, he he felt like a lot of the movie ended up on the cutting room floor that mm. shouldn't have ended up on mm. the cutting room floor. I should watch the uh, that opening the sequence with like the the alien planet, you know, uh, with the pearls and stuff. That thing was beautiful. Mm. Yeah. And then the quite. CG got, you know, a little bit less beautiful. So one of my time. favorite things out of this particular book was the weird alien that just regurgitated money yeah <laughs> yeah i was like that is a very yes, interesting fair. way to like just bribe people here yeah, the, oh, the grumpy more... transmuter yeah the grumpy <laughs> and how grumpy he was for no reason well if you had to eat something and then i like ex- how most something of the... that excrete tons of it well i was about to say i like how <laughs> most of the currency he just barfed back up except for like the the aphrodisiac he crapped out like, <laughs> i was like well that's a nice touch. <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah, that's a fun little creature. The, the, that creature is in the movie. Uh, they they changed it? it to um, it, it. It extrudes the stuff from like all of its body. So probably to get the uh, PG thirteen rating. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was interesting when you handed this to me. I was like, okay, this is different. Yeah, it's, but it's great. It was fun. It was a it, for for forty eight pages. You know, it's it's forty eight pages. Yeah, yeah. Short graphic like, novel. Yeah, yeah. And that's about the normal size. I read of, it in one uh, sitting. Right that's here. about the normal size of a single story in, okay. the, in Fridge Comics. Yeah, and it's not a long read. It's actually paced no, it's pretty, pretty well. Quick. Yeah, it was funny. Well, because in in the movie Valerian is present pretty much throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. In this one, he's, he's in the like beginning and the end. Not yeah. Yeah, th- this is the this is the first story I had actually. But what I what I recommend this one. I recommend this one because it's a it, it's a really easy to be read on its own. Yeah. Story, and it's it was also what the movie was based on, and it was also um, one of the ones I care for a lot. Um, but um, yeah, this is the first one where Laureline really takes the uh, lead. Hmm. Of, of the story yeah it was definitely very interesting um i don't know if i like the story that much uh and i mean i think it's only it's only because they try to cover so much ground in 48 pages mm. or it's just like it it didn't feel disjointed it just felt um like uh at a breakneck speed it's, it's brisk yeah uh-huh. um where sometimes uh i was getting lost because uh 
you know, and not that everything needs to be explained, but I felt like nothing was explained. Well, we did dump this on you and you had to read it here. Right. Instead of a quiet yeah. setting. No, and I, and I did, and I got a lot out of it. It's just, there's a lot of concepts. There's a lot of uh, things about this world that are not uh, explained. And through context clues, um, you don't really get yeah, that yeah. much. I either. was okay with that. And, and though, there, was, for, there were certain things that being this being a sixth volume. Right. There are certain things that are just kind of givens at this point. But yeah, I was really okay with it for the most part. I, I, I followed it pretty well. I, I yeah, there would have been you know nice to have more context, well, but I the, the I can just were intended to be read on their own. For yeah. More or less. Um, and I kind of got that vibe. So. I think I followed it because I'd seen the movie. Okay. If, if I had just read this on its own, I think I would be like, you know, these guys were definitely on acid. <laughs> <laughs> I think there might have been a little bit of that, too. But um, like I said, I really I, I the only thing about Valerian, I knew it was from France. I knew there was a movie and I'd seen I need the trail. I see I've seen the trailers on it, but I didn't know what it was about. And I was assuming that this was based on the movie since you were bringing it in. Um <laughs> But um, I don't know. I felt like I followed it pretty good. It's a sci-fi story. Yeah. yeah. You know, you with that you just buckle up and see yeah. what world they take you to. It's full-on space opera. You know, it, yeah. they, nobody knows what the heck Doctor Who is the first time they watch it. You just know you like it. Mm-hmm. At least that's how it was for me. Yeah. I you know I just watched the new Doctor the first episode. She good? I I I love her, dude. Cool. I, I like her as much as I did. Uh, well, Matt Smith was my first yeah. coming back in, and then I went back to Tennant. So oh, yeah, I I love Tennant and Smith. Me equally. too. Um, and River and Amy Pond and that whole and story. Guys and this new Doctor did made me feel the same way. It was like, oh my God, I love her. She's yeah, it's new showrunner, so. new cast. Uh-huh. Yeah, so cool. I have to check um, that out. Yeah, it was good. It, it's good stuff. Sweet. But All right. this um, this one. Um, interesting. Uh, I'd probably give it a three and a half. I, I, yeah, I like the art, even though sometimes it's kind of like you have to kind of yep. figure out what you're looking at. Yep. Um, but uh, for the time period and the subject yeah, matter you, and everything, you it said was, that earlier, and I, I was just I was curious what it was about the art that you had to turn your head or what have you. Oh well, pretty much all the way through it. Huh. I'd like when they're blasting the goo the stuff on there. If I hadn't seen the movie, I'd be like, "What <laughs> is going on here?" Yeah, it's um, it's just a little like you have to slowly read this to follow along. I I feel, uh, or maybe pay more attention. Okay. Yeah, I, I just I found it curious because I I I've always found the art of this book rather straightforward. So, so. how many times have you read it? Oh, uh, this one will be many times, but I'm talking about even when I first read the, yeah. the series. Right, it, it's straightforward, but in a in the world where everything you know, like there's aliens, when and everything's goo, unusual. Yeah, okay. it's just like, yeah. wait, what is that? You know, um, like yeah, yeah I, the the well, art is not. To like, me, I'm I'm kind of uh, I kind of agree with David. I felt like I didn't really have to analyze anything, but once again, I I was sitting down, really focused on it. Um. You know, I I read it before I left for here, and nobody was around. It was a quiet room, so maybe that's what it is. But I don't know. I thought it was pretty straightforward. The thing that always, you know, that for me was the colors, because it's a lot of just 
very, like I said earlier, hard yeah, colors. Like their skin's orange. Yeah. <laughs> so that for me was a little bit weird, but I didn't think it took and, away from the art. The, the funny, um, the funny seventies French or American prestige comic thing, uh, like the whites of the eyes are like the same color as their skin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. I, this, is the, this is the first book where the where the printing of this edition is pretty good because the earlier ones there's a little bit of split. Mm. What would you rate this, David? Uh, I'd probably uh, rate this one a four. I, I'm rather fond of it, but yeah, I mean it's 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 yeah. fun, but it's not like up there with the greats of comics. It's just it's a very fun. Johnny, uh, I'm with Roger. Uh, I I really love the art. Um, it's just I was not hooked by the story, um, but three point five. I think I'll give it a 3.5 too. It was good. Um, me not knowing anything about it, I think, uh, you know, it was nice to get exposed to it because I wasn't quite sure what it was, and now I have an idea of at least kind of what the movie is. Um, so I'm going to have to go and see that at some point or watch that and see how this stacks up or how the movie stacks up to this. Um, but now I'm curious because this is an interesting world that um, – what did you say the writer's name was? Uh, the writer is um, Pierre Christen. Okay. And so the artist is um, Jean-Claude Mézier. And they're a, they're a duo. They yeah. kind of work the stories up together. So, it, um, you know, interesting world that that creative team has created. I'd be, I'd be interested in seeing more. And there's so. um, 16 volumes of it. Jeez. And it's, All right. Uh, it's it's very worth a read. They're they're all different and all interesting. All right. There was a part. I think I mentioned this to you earlier today too. There was a part of me that kind of hoped in reading the first couple of pages of this book. Uh-huh. You know, it has a very philosophical, you know, grand view kind of storytelling. Uh huh. That I almost wish that that carried throughout the entire book. Yeah. Um. um I that, liked that car- it. I that carries it was, uh, throughout. That carries throughout the whole series. Yeah. Um, this was a more adventurous uh, episode, I guess you could say. Certain ones yeah. are a little more political. Certain ones are more, um, you know, social commentary. You know, and and it it you know it's like I said, it's a volume to volume thing. Yeah, it's cool. I think I would go back and read more. I doubt they'll make a. A sequel to the movie? <laughs> uh, probably but, not. It didn't. It um, didn't make. A, it was a very expensive movie, and it didn't. It, it was a very expensive movie, and it. If it wasn't a very expensive movie, it probably would have done okay. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think uh, Basson was hoping that um, that the numbers would track better in Europe, and they didn't. Yeah, foreign so, market. Because I, I think it was he was using you know. Actually, I think it was a European production, but he was using the American release to get a bigger release in, Fra- in France. Like, kind of like what um, Peter Jackson and Spielberg did with the Tintin movie. The Tintin movie is big in Europe and like India and those countries. Uh, but um, so they just they just made it with American money, threw it out in America because they. To you know, to get a build up, but they knew that they were gonna get, they knew that they were gonna get big money in the in the areas that knew the character. Mm. I think that's what Basson was hoping to get with Valerian, and it just didn't pan out. All right, let's go ahead and hop over to trivia now. 
Here we go, boys. All right, Jonathan, I got to get you on the board before you're done. I so should have been on the board the first week. You we did this, on, Matt. I, you know what I mean. You get. You got to get you another point before you all leave. All right, all right. So we can do one of two questions. We got a Jeff Johns question, or we got a DC Rogues villain question. Oh, geez. You get to pick one or the other. Let's do. Uh, let's do Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns. All right. I have to go with so, my boy. That's so unlike you, Jonathan. <laughs> All right, name of the game. I'm going to read you a question. There's four multiple choice answers. If you know the correct answer, do not shout it out loud. You will go last so we can get everyone's response in and make sure everyone gets fair points. Um, if you guys want to send in questions to try to stump the panel. Uh, Which apparently is not hard. Apparently is not that hard. <laughs> a few people have done it. Um, you can send your contact or send your questions to contact at allstarcomicspodcast.com. Please provide me with a question and four multiple choice answers. Correct. Note the correct one in your email. Okay, so guys, what was Jeff John's first series he wrote for DC? Was it A, Justice Society of America? Was it B, the Green Lantern Corps? Was it C, Stars and Stripe? Or was it D, Beast Boy Limited Series? Does anyone know? Dave, you want to take a shot? I I believe it was JSA. JSA, okay. I'll go with that, too. Okay. Two for A? I'm going to go with D. Beast Boy? Okay. Jonathan? What are the, what are the right. uh, answers? A, Justice Society of America. B, Green Lantern Corps. C, Stars and Stripe. D, Beast Boy Limited Series. And I know he's probably written all of those things. Oh, he point. has written them all. They're all his book. But which one was his first one? And this is a Bryce question, by the way. Thank you, Bryce. Of course it is. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Justice Society also. And the answer is Stars and Stripes. Ah! <laughs> Nobody wins. Uh, some context, Bryce. John, I will read it. Jeff Johns wrote that before he wrote anything. Else. Here, this is here, his here, Titans the story. and his Justice Society were like tell you the story. Okay. Bryce wrote in here. It says, Stars and Stripe was the first thing Johns pitched to DC editor Chuck Kim and leading him to the opportunity to co-write with James Robinson on JSA within a year of launching Stars and Stripe. Oh. So it was right before that. That's why. So the most big, like the biggest thing that he wrote as his debut was Justice Society. The very first DC comics he did was Stars and Stars. God dang it. I tried, man. I gave you the choice to get on before you. I know. (laughs) I know. So that was no a, but see, that was a deep cut. Yeah. That was a deep cut. That was a Bryce question. You know? Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. What was year was that? It didn't say. That was, it was Probably most like likely late, late 90s, 90s like 99, mm. 2000-ish. It had to have been in there, early 2000s. Yeah, because yeah. Green Lantern started in 2002. Yeah. Oh, it's been that long. So, yeah. Yeah. Hang on, now I need to know. <laughs> and that still that still feels recent. So yeah. again, if you want to send a question to stump the panel here, send me an email. Uh, thanks, Frank, for sending in one this week. I'll get to it eventually. Um, contact at allstarcomicspodcast.com, and you can write me a question, multiple four multiple choice answers, and please. Boom, ninety nine. I called it. Uh. All right, you See, got I got close. that right. <laughs> I got that right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, at least Blake isn't even on the board at all. So you got two points on him there. That is true. <laughs> what do we win again? Nothing. Cool. You win your pride. Maybe next year we'll come up you, with the prize. You win my admiration. <laughs> you just you get the title of All Star Comics Podcast Trivia Winner. How about that? Whenever Bragging we decide next. to yeah. end this first round, well, at of the whatever. end of the year, we'll start over. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, did we get any new reviews? Let me did check. You check. 
Uh, while we're doing that, uh, please rate, re- re- rate, review, subscribe, like, and share. That's kind of what keeps you know us up in the uh, the searches and and all that and the downloads and whatnot. Right, Johnny? Yes. Um, but if you want to go above and beyond, you go to patreon.com slash all-star. I can't talk tonight. I just got total mush mouth at the moment. Um, I think I've had a stroke. Uh, patreon.com. You can go above and beyond. You can get on for as little as a dollar. That gets you the episode early. You can go to the $3 level nope. for no new reviews. No, no, no. Oh, oh, man. It's the same Stan L616. $3 gets you the Multiversity University episode bundle drops. Uh, oh, Larry's $5. is going on Patreon tonight. Larry's origin story at the $5 level for Patreon is going to be debuting apparently tonight, Monday. You, When you guys listen to this, you guys will already have it available. Um, and then everything stacks above and beyond from there. So sales, mystery boxes, things like that. Um, and then... Multi, stay. Make sure that you stay tuned at the end of this episode for another episode of Multiversity University. As Matt just said, Larry's origin story is going to be going live tonight, and I'm sure. How how long did that one clock in at? Surprisingly, it only went about an hour and a half. That is very surprising. <laughs> we Larry, tried to move it along, so okay. There's Larry some good stuff being, in there. Larry was being uh, <laughs> gracious. Then he, he, I know he's yeah. got some stories, and he's listened to the origin stories, so he kind of knew the thing. Like, okay, can't go. A million minutes on one story, so yeah. Got it. Um, if you want to keep up with everything at the shop, like at Horizon, Horizon Comics, Comics on Facebook, at Horizon Comics on Twitter and Instagram. Or just come by the day before Thanksgiving. Or just Thanksgiving. come by the day before <laughs> Thanksgiving for Thanks Grilling. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. David? Um, you can find all my stuff on the internet under um, Team Hero Chick. Uh, I have... Um, that's for my comic that I do. And I am also available at um, D, um, David Arroyo Art on Instagram. That's where I do most of my social media icing. Very good. Johnny? Uh, you can find me at Disneyland um, and also at the Johnny2x4. Nice. Yeah. Matt? Hydro 5-5. Hydro 5-5 live all the time. And then I am at St. Jonathan. If you guys, uh, you know, thank you guys for listening to the show. Hopefully I'm not gone for too long. I'm sure Blake will do a fine job in my absence. Uh, if you guys, yeah, I'll help you. I'll I'll hold him down. Um, if you guys still want to interact, ask questions, find out what I'm digging, feel free to hit me up at St. Jonathan on Twitter and Instagram and Jonathan on Facebook. So I'll be there. Eagerly awaiting to come back to the show the minute that my schedule changes back. (laughs) Anyway, thank you guys for being great listeners and have a great week. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Multiversity University. I'm your host, Larry Douglas. Uh, Tonight, we're going to take a little bit of a break from talking about the Silver Age, although we are going to continue to talk about it some, um, because 
I got an email from Bryce Smith, and uh, I do want to say thank you, Bryce, for uh, the emails that you send me. I always enjoy reading them, and uh, frequently you send me things that give me some information that I didn't have before, so I find them really interesting. And you also raise some really thought-provoking questions. And this is why I wanted tonight's episode to be about this email that Bryce sent me after the last batch that we uploaded, um, because he did have a couple of questions that uh, I thought were really good for everybody who's interested in comic book history to consider. And so I wanted to share those with the audience. Um, I'm not going to read the entire email, but uh, I'll read the parts that are pertinent to what we're going to be discussing. Uh, what he says here um, is he does say, glad we're getting into the birth of Marvel and all the many changes that were brought with it. Um, And then he goes on to say, I know from personally attempting to read up on the contentious relationships between Lee, Kirby, and Ditko that there seems to be no real truth to any of it, only their perceptions of who created what and how involved they were. Then he goes on to ask a couple of questions, and I'm going to actually skip down to question number two and then go back to to his first question. And question number two is basically this. He says, um, is Stan Lee just really good at making us all believe he was better than he actually was? For instance, the thing about the X-Men being an analogy for Dr. King and Malcolm X. I've always thought Lee never intended for that to be the parallel analogy. College students at the time drew that conclusion and Stan just said, yeah, that's what I meant for it to mean. I'm not saying the man is a fraud, but he doesn't mind taking credit for everything. And um, I do want to say that personally, uh, that I have to agree with that. Stan Lee is certainly a giant in the comic book industry, and he created a lot of iconic characters. In many ways, uh, Stan Lee is the one responsible for the success that Marvel would have uh, starting in the early 60s and going on to today. Um, However, the one thing that Stan Lee is really good at is promoting Stan Lee. And so um, Stan Lee has a tendency to just tell stories that uh, that kind of make him sound good and that may not actually even be true. Even he's admitted that. Uh, he has told the story many times about how he was inspired to create the character of Spider-Man when he saw a spider crawling across a wall. Um, And then in one interview, he said, you know, I've told that story so many times that I'm not even sure it's actually true. Um, So uh, so even he (laughs) doubts himself sometimes. Um, Also, of course, as we talked about before, he has a tendency to take uh, a lot of the credit for Fantastic Four, uh, whereas we know that a lot of the inspiration for the early Fantastic Four stories came from the Challengers of the Unknown a feature that Jack Kirby had been writing. Um, And of course, Stan Lee has a story about how that all came about. He said that he was ready to leave the comic book industry and was just about to call it quits when his wife said to him, you know, if you're if you're going to quit anyway, then just go ahead and write a comic book the way you want to write it. And so he went out and wrote Fantastic Four, number one, and the rest is history. Well, that's a story that I've heard many times, and it's a great story, but I have my doubts about that one as well, uh, because my question is this. 
if you went out and wrote the comic book that you wanted to write, then apparently what you wanted to write was Challengers of the Unknown, because Fantastic Four number one and most of the first couple of years of Fantastic Four really paralleled to a great extent Challengers of the Unknown. And we, of course, have dealt with that before. So, um, so Stan Lee does have a tendency to exaggerate uh, his role in things, although his role is, of course, huge. But that doesn't mean that I'm, I necessarily believe everything that Jack Kirby says, because Jack Kirby later on, uh, as their relationship soured, had a tendency to make it seem as though um, basically he had done everything and that um, and that all that Stan Lee did was just kind of fill in the words and uh, and really Kirby himself was responsible for everything when I think if you look at the at the evidence from that time period it's pretty clear that it was definitely a collaboration between the two and the competing stories about who did more and who did what came about as their relationship uh, began to sour um, now the one person that you can probably buy in terms of their stories about what happened is Steve Ditko. Um, as many of you know, Steve Ditko actually became kind of a hermit uh, later in life, became a recluse, uh, and uh, kind of went out of the public eye. Uh, he really wasn't someone who was looking for fame. He just wanted to do what he enjoyed doing, which was drawing comic books. So when you hear something that Ditko had to say, you can pretty much count on the fact that it's probably true. Um, even Stan Lee admits that Steve Ditko uh, was the driving force behind the creation of Spider-Man, for example. Uh, so, um, so that's kind of where I fall on those things. So anyway, uh, I do want to just say that Stan Lee giant in the industry, possibly one of the most uh, influential, uh, if not the most influential characters uh, in the comic book business. Um, but we do need to take what he says with a grain of salt, because when Stan Lee is talking about Stan Lee, he always makes sure that he comes out looking good. Now, one other question in this email that Bryce asked uh, really goes back to the golden age. Um, what he says is um, this, as successful as Kirby, Gardner Fox, and some of the other godfathers of the Golden Age were, in your opinion, why did Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel just keep getting shut out of the comic world? I know the legal battles with DC over the rights of Superman soured their relationship with DC, but there were still other publishers to work for. I know they had Funny Man by Magazine Enterprises, and Jerry had a run at Marvel and Archie, but they never really made it. It seems that the guys that created the superhero genre would gain more respect from the industry at the time. And I agree. Siegel and Schuster should have gotten a lot more respect than they did. Uh, part of the problem, of course, was that they were trying to do something that nobody had done before. They were trying to assert their rights over a character that they had created. And this really went against the grain in the industry at the time. In fact, at the time that Siegel and Schuster were fighting their legal battles with DC, comic book companies... Um, at that point had stopped giving writers credit. So when you looked at a 
read a comic book story from um, the late 40s or the 50s, basically the Atomic Age, you didn't see any writing credits. Now, the one exception to this was EC. Um, EC didn't really push their writers so much because they basically had three people that pretty much wrote everything, uh, but they really pushed their artists a lot. So EC gave a great deal of credit to the creative side of, um, of their business, whereas the other companies were not. Now, of course, you could always ask, uh, you know, is this a, a chicken and the egg type of situation? Why is it that the uh, that the comic book companies stopped giving credit to the writers? Was it because of Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster trying to assert their rights that they stopped doing it? Or did they just stop doing it and then Siegel and Schuster were kind of going against the grain by trying to uh, get the rights to Superman at that point? And the answer is, of course, we'll never really know. Um, but the thing is that um, Siegel and Schuster were pioneers. Not only were they pioneers in terms of essentially creating the superhero genre, but they were pioneers in uh, something that's not very uncommon today, and that is the idea that writers should have control over the characters that they create. Um, and as often happens with pioneers, uh, things don't go so well for them, uh, but it goes much better for those that come after them, and I think that's what happened with Siegel and Schuster. So if you'd like to participate in this discussion or you have any other questions, thoughts, ideas that you would like to send in, uh, don't hesitate to email me at uh, Larry at allstarcomicspodcast.com and I'll look forward to reading those emails. Uh, in the meantime, I look forward to talking to you next time as we continue to talk about the Silver Age and Marvel's contribution to the comic book industry.